0: G'day everyone. Pete Techman Comin here for another exciting episode of the Tech Effect, and today we have another very, very special guest. But to help me introduce our special guest for today, please welcome to the show my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Mark the Bearded Tech Skian.
1: Hey, Pete. How are you, mate? I'm
0: Thank really you for well. That, Yourself. Uh...
1: Warm introduction. Yeah, I'm going very, very, very well actually. It's yeah.
0: Very yeah. early in the morning once again. For you uh, look, over there. The and things I the do weekend, for you. this is how committed you are.
1: Oh, I'm committed. Yeah, it's a Saturday. You know, like, <laughs> I don't get out of bed on a Saturday before, you know, eight o'clock for anybody except That's for right. you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel honored. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How's things over in uh, in NYC, Pete?
0: Mate, things are, are heating up temperature wise hmm. and business wise. The, uh, you know, the humidity and uh celsius or, or fahrenheit as they measure it over here is uh going through the roof high 30s very very high humidity so uh, uh trying to spend as much time in the pool as possible business-wise oh, things are really starting to pick up which is which is really good the great. city's starting to get that energy back which is yeah, great.
1: excellent excellent ah uh, that's great to see good to see you. it's a little bit happening over here it's um in uh, southeast queensland well we're in the middle of a Actually, lockdown. Yeah, well, we specifically are out as of last night at six nice. six pm. But certainly, Brisbane's still in a lockdown, and Sydney's in a world of pain, and uh, I think Northern Territory's in a world of pain. WA is in a world of pain. So yeah, it's um, it's you know, ho- hopefully it doesn't last too long. But uh, yes, With but Pete, crossed. we have. I'm pretty excited today. I must, I must say, uh, this is to, today. Why are you we've got it. Uh, me, I'm, I've. I haven't been this excited since Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm here all day, folks. Hey, jokes. Uh, <laughs> um, so we have got a very special guest, and uh, and and this guy has uh, direct. What what a what a whole string of acumen behind his name, you know. Director of USC Learning Environments, chair of Hetma. He's the editor, owner directed dude of higher ed, AV podcast, (laughs) keynote speaker. He's a crypto investor. We might get into that a bit later. He's had appearances on ABC, Fox, just about every TV network in the globe. Like this guy has been everywhere and and, uh, very well known in the industry. And we are crossing to the other side, the other side of the United States of America. How's that for a bad accent? That's (laughs) terrible. That's terrible. I won't try that again. No way, mate! Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are very happy to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry, but I, I should have threw it in here when you did your egg site. Hold on. <laughs> there you go. You get a rim shot for you. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, uh, thank you so much for inviting me on. This is great. I know I'm kind of between the two of y'all, right? See, I'm going to throw some yalls in there for you. Y'all? I'm going to okay. give you yeah. the entire experience because. We are on our 4th of July, of course, our yes. Independence day. I don't know why we call it 4th of July, because the entire world celebrates 4th of July, if you think about it. Right. We just only make something special of it, but you all <laughs> have <it. laughs> look, Everyone has a 4th of July.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I Look, I celebrate 4th of July because it's my brother-in-law's birthday. But, that's about
2: it. <laughs> but you do get props. Not only do you get up on a Saturday morning early, and you've got a button-down shirt. I mean, like, it's
1: not even like... Yeah, look... We just don't zoom the camera, uh, pan the, <laughs> tilt the camera down, Joe. That's, that's all.
2: <laughs> let's not.
1: <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. Joe, first of all, um, I just want to give some perspective of, to, to those people in Australia. You're, you're very well known in uh, the AV industry in the, in the US. But in Australia, for those who may not be familiar, you're currently the Director for Learning Environments at the University of Southern California and uh and i'm really i'm just really excited to hear more about your role there what you actually do so can you tell us a bit about what that is and um some of the major projects that so you you know you, you've got a major project you've recently deployed so i'd love to hear a bit more about that
2: yeah absolutely absolutely i love talking about this so yeah my day job is that i am the director of learning environments at the university of southern california like you said which really means that i oversee the design installation And support teams for about 500 total general use spaces that makes up classrooms, conference rooms, computer labs, group study rooms, uh, probably auditorium, other things. I don't know what I said. Anything. If it's got technology there, it's us. Um, So I'm really account for about 70% of the campus. because it's all of our general use for most of the classrooms and all that, some specialty schools. So, um, and I do, I oversee all of the teams for that, which is great because this means I sit at a desk and they do the work. Wonderful setup. <laughs> um, great, great, great great way it works. But yeah, no, we just, uh, we just unroll or rolled out a very, very impressive, uh, fully, uh, a fully, holistic AV over IP solution. Uh, We're honored to have just been awarded commercial integrators uh, case study of the year for uh, basically the entire AV industry for this. Uh, There's some videos around. You're welcome to take a look at it. Crestron just did a great case study on it too. Uh, But uh, it is is a fully uh, developed, so everywhere that there is a cloud, software, server, IP based solution we put it in there really to kind of streamline our technology look where we could go uh, we could move the technologies away from legacy systems into the direction the rest of the world was going um, ironically planned even pre pandemic uh bringing in uh, UC technologies i've made the claim that you know the real uh, convergence that we're seeing in our industry is not really the convergence of IT and AV but UC and AV and that has been coming for years so so uh, we could say that almost every one of our spaces is a fully integrated, you know, Zoom Room with full wireless sharing, cloud service support. Um, we uh, are currently uh, Crestron's largest VC4 deployment in the world, somewhere around three thousand uh, uh, Dante endpoints or Dante domain manager. So it is quite an impressive, uh, huge uh, setup. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. What, what,
0: what, what's really unique about that or, or interesting is that. Um, so when I was back in Australia, we used to do a lot of work for universities around the country. And one one university in particular we did a lot of work at was called USC, University of the Sunshine Coast. And <laughs> they, ironically, just to depl- when I say just, yeah, probably 18 months ago, just completed their, um, one of their new buildings at a new campus. And they went all Crestron, NVX and Dante. They went totally a- AV over IP, which... A lot of universities in Australia were going that way. You know, we've done some work with them, uh, with other universities for, uh, who had deployed uh, AV over IP solution or Crestron AV over IP solution. So it's just inter- it, it, it's it's ironic that you know you're at USC USC in Australia has deployed what sounds like a very very similar uh, or, or deployed a very similar rollout.
2: Yeah, um, it must be in the letters USC means something special is (laughs) happening, you know, but, you know, kind of even talking about that, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think that the AV industry has has a huge opportunity and COVID showed this, we had a huge opportunity to really show what our purpose is, right. Um, And, and that really is more than just a bunch of little boxes inside of a lectern or you know back in an idf but an opportunity to really facilitate communication among people covid showed that right when we had yeah, to move 100%. everything off and now taking that and that was really the mentality we wanted to use at usc is to t- think of the you know how could we connect people using our technologies and facilitate really a very user-centric uh, uh, focus. And this is all of our systems were honestly designed by our faculty. It wasn't me saying I wanted to challenge us as part of our digital transformation to rethink how we serve our customers and then let the technology figure itself out. How could we work an an ecosystem that worked for them? And what's really special about what we did is not necessarily, um, again, the, the boxes that connect the content, but really, but thinking of it as, what do a, does a faculty member do when they come to a space? What does a student need when they're taking a class? And that was where we thought, you know, if they can walk in from the second they swipe their card to open the door, can the room be smarter than them? Can it know who they are? Can it start their Zoom class for them? Open up Blackboard. connect the students, already ha- know exactly how they wanna teach, where they wanna wirelessly share, or they're gonna connect, all of these other aspects can we utilize that and, and in order to create a true learning environment? And then obviously optimize that for accessibility, safety, sustainability for the students as well.
0: What, what, what I found interesting, um, a couple of months ago, I spoke to one of uh, the AV support staff uh, at USC, and, um, and she was telling me how the different faculties at, at the university actually have the ability to choose their own equipment right so i was i was asking about support and so on and she said well you know faculty a may choose one system and faculty b may choose another there, there what there didn't seem to be a there, there was somewhat of a standardization but it, it it sounds like there is um a fragmented sort of rollout of technology there is that is that correct and, and if so how does How does that affect, you know, how do you have that seamless user experience? So when a student goes from one faculty to another or a teacher goes from one room to another, that it looks and feels the same if the faculties are doing their own thing.
2: Yeah, you know, it, this is a, a great question because we, it, it's the line of, where is the line between individuality and need, you know, and personal need and standardization, right? That's really the question, right? Yeah. Is how much do we want to tailor their experience and how much do we want to let them tailor their own experience? And this is where we thought, what are they comfortable with? What are people comfortable with? They're comfortable with their own laptops. They're comfortable with their own cell phone, right? These are the things that that they know how to do. And we all even learned during the pandemic, everyone now knows how to go home and go on a Zoom call. And they even teach a class that way, right? Because they've had to learn that. So could we replicate their comfort when they come to the space? Because the fact is, they don't care what is in the lectern. They just yeah. wanna know, does the room work? And can my workflow work with it? And that was how we were able to have a quasi standard everything behind the scenes worked so we simplified our user uh our ux our touch panels are very simplified there um and this is again utilizing um a a ch5 or html5 uh in order to pull all the apis from all the software that we want to use so we could tailor it to them now All the technology is actually standard. Everything works off a, you know, a, you know, the Crestron UC engine inside, you know, the flexes that are in the rooms, all of our projectors, everything that stuff is standardized. The experience is what we made different, right? Right. Because, and that's where we were able to balance that line because we know that's what the faculty want. They want to know where's comfort. So they don't have to think about the technology. And that's actually one of the great things that we found as we really deployed this and the faculty are coming back after mm-hmm. the pandemic is they're, scheduled, they've, they're freaked out because they've heard about this great upgrade we've done. Okay, I'm never yeah. going to use it. They schedule <laughs> a time. By the time our tech shows up to the room, they're like, oh, no, I already got it figured out. Don't Work worry. Work it out. Yeah. You know, like, okay, then that's achieved what we want it to do.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> in, interesting you use the term lectern. Um, I found that a lot of people in the US, instead of calling it a lectern, they call it a podium. And I'm like, no, a podium is something you stand on not stand behind, a lectern is something you stand behind. But um, what, what I'd like to know, uh, in the past, that we found that a lot of universities, especially in Australia, they would have all the, all the AV, all the technology within the room, right? The in, within the lectern. And their reasoning behind that was, well, if we have a problem, it only affects one room. It's not a centralized system, which obviously there are a, a, a lot of efficiencies to be had by centralizing your solutions. But their concern, once again, in the past, that this thought process is changing. But what they used to think is, well, if the if this room goes down, then it doesn't affect the room next to us or the room upstairs or, or whatever. So I'm guessing that you guys probably did the same thing. You probably had in-room equipment previously, and then you've gone over to a network, a AV over IP solution, right? And how yeah. is that? how is how did you mitigate any... Um, know sort of points of failure or have redundancy how'd you build all that in
2: yeah um this is this was actually a debate that we had um and one of the kind of the neat things is a our former uh design took up 15 rack units our current design uses two wow right that is a huge change right and so We purposefully went away from that. Yes, I totally, and I do hear this from colleagues going, well, if you do your entire thing based on a server, you know, Mm -hmm. VC4 is running, uh, you know, 500 spaces. Yes. Well, when the server goes down, does that mean every one of your classrooms goes down? And I say, yes, but guess what? If the network on campus goes down, (laughs) um, no (laughs) one's calling me. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm the last thing anyone's thinking about. Exactly. Right. Um, And so you know, we we had to go through that process. So we thought, and I wanted the other way. Imagine if the telephone company or your your you know home internet company had to manage all of their customers' endpoints all from that customer's home. No, they yeah, need to centrally yeah. manage it, right? <laughs> they need to be able to do things and scale it out and monitor yes. it. So that was the move. The move was take it away from the classroom, only put what you need there. What I need is an encoder and a decoder. It's basically mm-hmm. all I need in the space. And move everything else out. Which also means if something goes down or, you know, I'm losing one of them, I don't actually have to go into the room to fix it. It's somewhere else where we don't bother the class. And because we've brought it into a server-based system and an IP-based system, I usually know there's a problem before anybody else does. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting for them to tell me the classroom's not working. We already know, and we've probably already fixed it.
1: Yeah, 100%. So, so let's dig into that a little bit more. You, you've probably answered that question to, to some degree. Your, your AV over IP uh, system is sitting on the IT infrastructure, or have you created your own um, AV IT infrastructure around that? How, how does that? how does that deploy out?
2: Yeah, uh, we technically have our own AV VLAN. Yep. That said, Uh, it does run within the same switches core, I mean, everything as everything else. And that was actually, again, another decision that we made, because we wanted to link services, right? I wanted to have access control, I wanted to be able to have a true anywhere from anywhere to anywhere experience on campus, and we could make every space, you know, flexible if we needed to. And so because of that, we had to working just to work into our Office 365, all these things for yeah. scheduling, our classroom scheduling, required us to have a a sort of mesh. It's a it's a hacked mesh system, let's call it.
1: And you've got your APIs that you've got to try and um, feed out to, to Blackboard yep. and things like that. So, exactly. uh, yeah, so there's no physical physical um, AV layer. It's definitely VLAN through. And then, as you say, it becomes the IT's problem when, uh, when it goes down. <laughs> they and,
2: can, we do have a and they can great... maintain
1: the services under their budget, by the way. Exactly, and we have a great infrastructure team who has
2: partnered with us uh, this whole time. I mean, I remember the, uh, when I first brought this to them and told them what I wanted to do and how many network drops I needed, and oh, by the way, my NVX is gonna send one gig bi-directional down every port at all times. I remember how their, their jaw kind of dropped and they wanted to slam the door in my face. No, actually, it was the complete other way around. What they wanted to do was say, that sounds cool. How could we make this happen? And that was, became a great partnership. And if I could give any, you didn't ask. So I'm going to ask my own question. If I had to give <laughs> advice to somebody, um, we'll pretend that you asked me that question. Um, <laughs> it was coming off the scrubbing you know, off now. <laughs> if I was do, the key to moving forward is that relationship. Understanding that, you know, just because my technology is easier and cheaper, right? Heck a lot cheaper to just do an encoder and a decoders around oh. everywhere. But that cost isn't actually gone. It's just kicked to somebody else's Department, Right. It's kicked to the infrastructure team. It's kicked to the server team. Those are the people who now uh, are a really key to my success. So I need to build those relationships, have the conversation together and work the plan together. This is where we were happy to have the not that we're happy to have a global pandemic. But we got lucky because that gave us time to work through it together without people on campus, without impacting a lot of services we could actually spend the time to make sure the infrastructure was correct in there and that uh, the flow i mean as anyone who works on a college campus knows good luck going to your it department and say you would like them to fully open multicap <laughs> for you
1: exactly. And just you know,
2: they're going to look at that one but we have it our server team agreed to it because we made this you know a great partnership with one another yeah
0: and, and what so so you said that you went from 15 ru down to 2 ru so i'm guessing you've got You got an encoder in the room, in the the lectern. Uh, uh, What else do you have? I mean, you're going to have obviously speakers, microphone, projector, maybe a screen or two, uh, PC in the room. What can you sort of talk us through those systems? So what's left in the room now and how are they operating? Are are you using Dante speakers and Dante microphones? What does it look like?
1: Yeah.
2: So we did, uh, one as part of our upgrade, the one thing we did not touch was projectors, speakers. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were already there, you know, every classroom already had them. So we, or displays, we didn't touch any of that. Um, And we didn't need to, we had just done an upgrade a few years ago. So our entire system is this in the lectern or, you know, we have this little kind of fancy wall box thing we do. It's got two things. It's got the encoder where it really has three things on one rack Mm -hmm. unit is the NVX encoder and a small little amp. Mm -hmm. And on the other rack unit is the Crestron uh, UC engine or the Crestron flex. That's it. There's the two. There's the two rack units that are right there, um, and then in the that all runs through the network. We stay at layer three for all of our network. Uh, all of mm-hmm. our uh, NVX traffic, so it goes straight back to the IDF. Mm-hmm. Um, we will uh, then we have everything else. So We all is fully networked. So even we use the Crestron, uh relays for our screens. So those are all network controllable. In the sky is a projector um, and an NVX decoder at any projector that's mounted to the projector or a side display if it has multiple yeah. displays or anything. Yeah. Uh, we do use uh, the Shure ceiling microphones, the 910s, 710s mm-hmm. throughout. Um, if it is a larger auditorium, I think the only exception is if it is a larger auditorium, there might be um, a handheld or a lapel that's also in the rack um, just to add that uh, extra.
0: With, with the wireless microphones, are you using, uh, I know Shaw have some Dante, uh, wireless microphones are you using anything like that or is it traditional you, like a traditional wireless microphone system then converting it to Dante
2: yeah we uh it, it would depend so for okay. ones that were already there um we did just use the uh avio devices by Odinate. Yeah. um and then some we upgraded because here in the United States they also sold off a few of the bands the 600 700 yeah and so, by law, we had to change over. So we bought a lot of Dante native, uh, either Ux or something like that, um, accent um, just for those handhelds. And again, those are the special spaces. The average classroom doesn't need a handheld mic. So you're really talking about your larger auditoriums, lecture spaces. So I think that was a handful, twenty two or something. So not 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 a ton.
1: So so I'm interested, interested to know uh, the the Shaw nine ten. Yeah, they're all very they're ceiling mounted the 710s however they're sort of installed acoustics make a big difference in these spaces to how well these microphones perform what did what challenges did you come up with against with uh with acoustics in these spaces and how did you deal with that you
2: know um this is a place where we were pleasantly surprised so if you look at the audio side oh i guess i didn't leave out that we also have a camera in every room it's either a hudley uh camera or it's a uh a ptz if it's a larger space but back to the acoustic question so the acoustic um was one of these pleasantly surprised so we used um and i believe we were the very first um enterprise deployment of Shure's imx room um dsp so it's a software-based dsp
0: yeah i i I saw that sorry to interrupt but I, i i'm actually very excited about that product i saw it uh being dem- demonstrated at ISC 2020, right? It's, it seems like so long ago now, but uh, and I thought that was great. I really thought that's a game changer. Once again, if if you, if you extend that out to saying, in, in installing Dante speakers, Dante microphones, suddenly you don't need an amplifier, and, and then you run some software, the Shaw sure software in um, on your on a PC, then great. I mean, all it's there's there's hardly any hardware that you need, right? Yeah, and
2: that was kind of the point. I didn't need to throw a box in there. And so what we did um, is that we took the Crestron Flex, which is really just a nook. It's an Intel nook, right? Um, (laughs) What it is. And um, we put IMX Room on it. So we hacked it. And we loaded it. So it turned the Crestron Flex into a Dante endpoint. Nice. And it becomes basically the Dante DSP for mm-hmm. the space. So the sure, you know, nine ten or seven tens, depending on the size of the space, are already Dante. And our Creston NVXs, we use the Dante native NVX units. So those also then send the audio for their input for their inputs and outputs. And again, we don't we don't do the Dante speakers yet, only because we didn't touch it. We already had this some small, you know. Um, just basically 70 volt system you know uh amplifier so we would get a we would just get the audio device to uh you know to take it out of the dante and into uh the speakers but then we could because of the way we ran it onto the Crestron flex also meant that we could send uh right into our zoom meetings straight from uh dante domain manager right into it right from the room it becomes an output uh from the imx room and then um so that was able to keep everything all completely consistent for our audio so that's every, been stable, every...
1: Jay, look, we, we've seen we've seen a little bit of um, inconsistency with feeding the the Dante uh, into zoom uh, zoom rooms uh, so has that been a stable sort of deployment for you of that part?
2: yeah um I, I know that there was i mean this is the video I'm not the one that had to figure it out uh, there was a learning curve with it I think there was just some little hack they had to do, but uh, because the um the crestron flex became a dante endpoint once we loaded imx room on it we had the io of that device and i think it was just a more of a the way you had to end up setting it ended up making it work fine
1: yeah right yeah there's always a you go into zoom uh on in your account online there's a there's a lot of tick boxes you get you yeah. keep you keep going triaging down through the trees there's a lot of tick boxes to turn things on and off and it's just making sure you've got the right one isn't it
2: yeah, and I think one of the issues we did come across, which was just working it out, was the uh, echo cancellation. So when you're doing the AAC, because that's built into the DSP to use yeah. for your... And Zoom does their own yes, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, right? So I remember that being an issue, and you just turn one of, them, one of the two off, and then you it fixes the
0: issue. Yeah, way you go. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I noticed
0: that when, when we did our first um, NVX rollout, probably about four years ago at, at a university in Australia. One thing that really struck me was uh, we, we did all, everything was Dante. So all the microphones, all the audio inputs, it was actually a, a large hall. Um, every, uh, the projectors were all using NVX. So everything was AV over IP. And it, you would go to the rack and you would look at it and you know we had a DSP in there, we had a, a QSC DSP in there. And it was the weirdest thing because we had so much audio going on in this space, and we had one cable plugged in—well, two cables: mm-hmm. the power cable and network cable. And you're looking at it, and you're going, "The contractor hasn't finished his work,
2: right?" And it's like,
0: <laughs> that's it. It was just so clean and so simple. Um, it, it was amazing. Rather than in the past, you'd be running cables everywhere, and it was—it's a nightmare. So I, even from it like from an efficiency point of view, equipment point of view, cabling point of view, points of failure point of view. There's, to me, there's so many advantages by going down this AV over IP path.
2: Totally, totally agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you then notice, um, once you start pulling stuff out, you start realizing how complicated did we make things before? Why did we need all of this? And yeah. so now, and, and again, like you said, the efficiency, but look at other things. How much less power consumption am I now using yeah. right I can that saves the university at our scale, if I can cut down the power consumption of every classroom by 75 percent, which is what we've done, now wow. take that over the course of 500 spaces and now take that mm. over the course of a year that's real savings and that's real yeah. environmental impact do we bring that I mean there's a lot of change that we could do and then that doesn't even mention the ability to now serve that service that because like you said, less points of failure i have an encoder place where i'm putting the audio in it's going through a switch somewhere and it's coming out somewhere where it's going out those are my only points of failure right where before Mm -hmm. when you had all the analog audio when something went out you had to just walk around every box and just see if it had a green light going on okay no green green that's good oh red light there's the problem now figure out which side of it it's on right now you're having to troubleshoot that and you're doing that in real time for me, all I have to do is either change an encoder, decoder, or maybe reroute something. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Redo the subscription, and it usually fixes itself.
1: So, you, I read. Uh, I read that your installation costs down by about sixty percent. Um, is that is that totally true, or did you sort of push some of that over, as you said before, over to now IT's problems?
2: Yeah. it, it and, is. It is true. There were, were there were other. Um, there were some other costs on the other side. The good thing is USC had already gone through a major network upgrade a few years ago. So they actually had a ton of open ports in all the blades and stuff, which is really the high cost. And because of COVID, you know, was interesting is we were able to save people's jobs, because if you think the network infrastructure team, when there's no one on campus, what are they doing? Well, because now I needed to have network poles to all my classes they they got to keep working right we gave yeah. them something to do so um was there a cost in that sure but also it was it was a good it is good in that time that we I'm actually saying. could justify that but as far as the cost i will tell you we had great partners great partners who came to the table when i had this idea again even pre-pandemic and i went here's what i want to do my cio challenged me to rethink about our classrooms and he said if you could build something from scratch what would you do if i told you you could get rid of all-star what would you do and i did So i brought the plan i brought him and he approved it and with that budget you know i then had to go and come through with it and i gotta say without our great partners uh we would not have been able to do it um and also if you want to save some money go tell a go tell a manufacturer that you're about to buy a thousand five thousand <laughs> of something trust
0: me they're going to give you a great price yeah your
1: best friend <laughs> problem is that i don't leave a- you alone like-
0: we were talking before about, you know, uh, the the fragmentation within not just USC, but it sounds like a lot of universities around the U.S. You've, you've, you guys have got a big stick. Like you just said, you know, you can actually go to these manufacturers and, and cut a great deal. Imagine if everyone was on board, like all the faculties are on board and you were able to do that and you roll in support and all those other things, you know, I mean, you could even get better pricing. It's I, I just that's the thing that we talk to, say to our clients: understand your the size of your business and, and the the pool that you have and and, and cut some deals with these organisations. They do want your work, and they will they, they will actually you know sort of give you very very good pricing. So, did you go out when you had this um, idea to 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 go to a, a AV over IP solution? Did you just go straight to Crestron? Did you look at other solutions? Did you talk to anyone else? How, how did that um, sort of play out?
2: Yeah, no, we did a very, very big um, proof of concept. In fact, we had about six or seven different options. Uh, my my AB Architects uh, office had smoke coming out practically. He had everything set up, but we tried all of the main technologies uh, across the board and they all of them are, are are good right I mean we but we had to find the one that worked for us and had a mm-hmm. partner that stepped up that said yeah. they believed in my vision and let's do this together so we tested a little of everything um and just Crestron won and and they honestly they won pretty hands down with the abilities that what they were all because they've already been ahead a lot of people yeah. are coming into the space they've been in the space they already have mm-hmm. a vision and and that was really what made a difference um but even like beyond that, um, you mentioned about, you know, kind of this scale, if everyone got behind together, um, this is where I think that there's value. If you recognize USC alone, I mean, if you look at uh, like uh, the SCM, you know, top 50 integrators in the United States around the globe, right? The biggest ones. Mm-hmm. And if USC was an integrator, we would be in the 40s on that list.
0: Wow. Right.
2: We are that big. We are as big as any other integration company in the area. Right. And so with that, now take the higher ed vertical. What if every higher education institution got together and wielded that stick? And we see uh, um, organizations like Abixa who show us that we are worth over 26 billion dollars in annual spend as a vertical alone. Mm -hmm. Well, that's huge. And that's really the purpose of HETMA, Higher Education Technology Managers Alliance, where we have built that to really capitalize on that power, to advocate for the fact that we are a strong vertical of really, a lot of us are in-house integrators who either came from integration and develop our skills in the same way with a very big pocketbook behind us.
0: Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit more about HETMA, but before we do, I just want to ask you about um, the support of your system. So obviously, you had, you said you had a very large team. I'd be interested to know how big that team is. And also, I believe that you rolled out uh, Crestron XIO Cloud from a support, control, monitoring point of view. How, how did that go? And, and how what benefits did you guys see uh, in rolling that solution out?
2: Great, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so the size of my team, I have uh, 12 full-time staff members from uh, basically... Five on the supports. Well, yeah, five on the support side, uh, with a manager there. On the four of those support, actually do the tech. You know, basically, uh, the the in class tech, and as well as I have a marketing and PR person who oversees our digital signage, our branding. Um, and our outward messaging. And then uh, we have an uh, engineering, I have senior and uh, non-senior AV engineers that basically do uh, in- oversee installation team and uh, tier three support. And then I have AV architects and a manager of that area for uh, design and engineering, uh, who will actually do all the proof of concepts, procurement of, of uh, equipment, and all of the uh, design um, of the systems.
0: Just then, like, sorry, just on the design. Manager. Do you do the, do the design in house, or do you get uh, outside the consultants or someone else to to come in and do the designs?
2: We did the design in house. Right. So uh-huh. yeah, so we came up with the design house, and then I have a project management team uh, mm-hmm. together. And then with that, I actually have over a hundred student workers who do the actual class support, oversee their co- right. our computer labs, and all of that. So it is a very large team our student workers the ones that make it work we are a 24/7 university so we we have consistent uh, support needed um, and that's where say xio cloud fusion cloud uh, came together to really help with this in a couple of ways one commissioning of devices mm-hmm. the great thing about it is when we want to set up a class it's the scalability i can set up a new classroom in minutes i can yeah. actually have the classroom done before the equipment even shows up because once i know the mac address we put it in and we've been able to put you know allow that as soon as we take it to a room and plug it in the network it self configures the room's working right mm-hmm. and that is actually what's made this special and then utilizing uh the tools the dashboards uh the great thing that we're, we're able to do is pull apis from a lot of our other uh, third-party softwares that we use from our classroom scheduling uh, to our um Access control. And we've been able to link those together. So we have one central place for which uh, to monitor any space from. uh, And that has really helped with us now being proactive. And that was where I challenged our team to say, you know, um, when we came up with our SLA of how we wanted to serve our customers, I challenged them and said, I want no more than five minute SLA. Every room, five minutes. That's it. Well, when some of the rooms are eight minutes away from our office, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Best way to do that is not have to go to the room. Can you solve it remotely? Can we do things like, what about a Zoom call right to the room if they have a trouble? Like my biggest pet peeve, here's my biggest pet peeve is this, and we all do this. Hit a button on a, a touch panel with the little question mark, the help button. What happens after you hit the help button? It says, it call up, this number. That's, number. What everyone, <laughs> That's right. The worst customer service you could ever give someone. <laughs> I need help call this no No. so how about if you hit the button how about the system calls me and now I can communicate with that customer I already have the diagnostic it's already changed on the dashboard because we've used HTML we've now can control the system for them and our we've you know linking through with our ticketing system our service now ticketing system along with XIO fusion we know all the data points of that space the second that button is hit that's how you do good customer service yeah
1: following on from that i read also read that your, your satisfaction ratings uh or improved satisfaction ratings by over 300 uh i'm just curious to really dig into that how, how you actually sort of i'm assuming you just did a before and after type survey uh but what sort of questions how how did you how did you get to that to that point yeah to be able to manage that? You know,
2: when when I came on, because uh, I was brought into USC uh, in uh, August of 2019 as part in order to do this, you know, kind of move us into the future. And um, I first thing I did was pull all of our uh, our service. So we use ServiceNow ticketing system. So every time mm-hmm. someone's done, it sends them a little survey. How were how was the thing? You know, what can you do? So I pulled all that, and out of a five star rating, we had a 1.8. Wow. 1.8 like you have to try to be that bad like you literally have to take the customer and say no you're an awful person and i don't want to help you like you actually have to try to be that awful and so um and then we had to rethink okay well what was the problem and this is what we noticed a lot of times what people would say was you know it was not necessarily that we didn't get it done. They they would ask, how was it friendly, blah, blah, did they get it in time? How long did it take? Blah, blah, blah. all those things. But the final, you know, they're given awful, awful, awful. Final question was always, did the problem get solved? And they would click yes. So we did solve the problem, right? We solved why the class didn't work, but what we didn't solve was the person. We didn't actually become build a relationship with what was what they were going through. And so what we did is we said, we need to utilize empathy. We need to understand things from there. What are they going through? No one wants a classroom that doesn't work, right? No one wants to be in the situation. The faculty don't want to be embarrassed in front of their students. So could we turn our thinking around to them? Which is why I took most of our, our faculty who having uh, most of the problems and said, will you help me design our new classrooms? Will you walk me through what you wanna do? And so an example that I always use is this, our, our touch panels don't say system on and system off. Like they all, they all do that, right? No, ours say start class and end class, mm-hmm. right? That's what a faculty member will say. I want to come in there and yeah. I want to start class. And now we, because of that, because we've worked it to fit them and our support model has been a white glove service with them, thinking about from their point of view and what they're experiencing, that's where our ratings within the first three months went to a 46 um, and which is fantastic. And then, and now we're currently at a 4.8 and I don't know who those 0. 0.2 people are. I'm working on that. <laughs> I, um uh-huh.
0: uh, a couple of years ago, I did a tour of university of Nevada in Las Vegas, their campus, and, and they've got a, a great team there. Um, yeah. I I've, I've looked at a number of universities around the country and, and those guys really, really stood out, you know, the quality of work, they do everything in house, um, so shout out to Frank and Scott at uh, university of Nevada, Las Vegas campus. But that what they did, I found interesting is that they had their own in-house programmer and they would actually do a B tests. So in some rooms they would load the A code on there and some rooms they would load the B code and they would see which, which ones work best or which ones they had least problems with. Do you guys have your own in-house programming team? And do you do anything like that to, to work out what, what is logical and what's not or what works and what doesn't
2: yeah uh first I will double shout out uh Frank and his team and and Scott out there at UNLV what they that they do is just beyond spectacular the way Mm. they're able to really custom uh custom tailor to their their uh, faculty while standardizing at the same time and you know and and they're actually one of the places we went to when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, and we said, mm-hmm. "Okay, who sets the bar? Who does this? Who utilizes fusion the best?" And then they, they yeah. do, and yeah. so we went out there. And um, I want to say, Frank, we won up you though. Okay, thanks for the <laughs> no,
0: thanks for the You're help. The bar. There it's, you it, go. This is, <laughs> this is getting serious. Come on, Frank. What have you <laughs> got?
2: No, um, no, they do amazing things there. Um, but in that same in that same vein, we do have in house. Um, we have programming team of student workers who the great thing about being a college campus we got master's level co- you know student workers who are computer science right so we can bring them in and they've helped design we do use some uh, extra integrators for extra help too if we, uh, some programming because they know some of the crestron uh, coding and stuff already and can help us there so we do have good partners with that um, but really, we did something similar, and we wireframed everything. Mm-hmm. We had our faculty go through it. Uh, we don't do the A-B testing, in the mm-hmm. only in the sense that we wanted to figure out, what do you guys want to see? How can you do this? I am anti-page flip. I hate page mm-hmm. flips with a f- passion. <laughs> so we wanted something very simple. We wanted the iPhone feeling. Everyone mm-hmm. knows. How, it's like, it's the idea is, why does an iPhone not come with an instruction booklet?
0: That is my, I, I say that to people all the time. I say, to, when I we're talking about joke. user interfaces, <laughs> I, I say, What did you do? Have you got an iPhone? And they go, Yeah, what did you do with the manual when you got the iPhone? And the look on their face, like, uh, They're going, I, I didn't get a manual. And I, like, Exactly, you didn't get a manual. Why, why do you need to print out an A4 or a laminated sheet and have it next to the touch panel? That's a failure right there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly and so and that was really the thing is can you make it intuitive and and again it comes from user-centered design right Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what apple does well and that's what we really wanted to mimic and not that we are you know at that level but we still wanted to to think what will people naturally want to do what's the Mm -hmm. simplest way to do it and that's where we used a lot of automation in the programming right can we you know have multiple functions happen uh, as people want to do things and as well um, we have full voice control of all of our spaces gesture really? control they're, they're pretty impressive uh, and that all came because of uh, covid because we were we we're given the originally it wasn't on the scope but we were asked hey we need to make these rooms touchless so can we make them touchless so we use uh, we have voice control in all of our space as well as that's where we came in with a lot of automation as well um, just thinking can we connect our services together
0: what what are you using? Are you using uh, an existing platform for voice control? I know in the past Crestron kind of went down that voice control path, or or have you just sort of gone with the, one of the big players, your Googles, your Amazons?
2: You know, we looked into using those. Um, and in fact, USC, we have a Watson uh, thing on campus, but we didn't, we ended up using uh, Crestron's native, um, which we actually found worked well. Um, I actually felt in a way when we were challenged to do uh, voice control that it was gonna be short-lived. I, I think it yeah. was good at the time, right? Everyone was freaking out about COVID. No one's gonna ever wanna touch something again. Well, guess what? They all touch the screen. Yeah. No one asks it to turn on. They all touch the screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we simplified it utilizing what they have. So we do use the uh, the motion censoring. So to, you do the the whole wave over it and mm-hmm. it will bring up It'll bring up a screen that tells you what voice control, what, what commands you can give it. And of course, it just knows as well the, uh, for the wake, uh, wake words that it has. But it's, we very simplified it. It's you know, basically turning it on, turning it off, screen up and screen down power. You know? I mean, like it, more volume, less volume. Um, very, very simple. Um, and exactly what I thought is true. No one uses it. It's great, great feature to show off when people walk in and never <laughs> seem to use it
0: a couple of years ago i was at ubitech and I, I was a guy was doing a presentation there and he uh he, I, i'm not sure if he was at a, like a school or a, a university but he w- he actually set up voice control for some of their spaces and what what he said the hardest thing was was actually n- covering off all the all the terminology for the same device i mean is it a projector is it a screen is it a you know a micro, whatever it may be he said different people call these devices different things and so he found that that was the hardest thing he actually had to write all this code and cater for different words and terminology for that one device did you have oh, you put any issues like that
2: yeah yeah no and i remember i was talking to them from utah state they kind of um went through that same thing and you realized that that's because it was all hard coding right yeah um, this is we didn't experience that because we just decided this is very limited. Here it is. Here's your seven things or nine things you can ask it to do. And that's it. I love where they're going. Now, I believe in the future. So again, uh, kind of a a, a a an answer to a question you didn't ask where we're going in the future um, is to uh, you're more AI, like I believe there's an opportunity there. And I think when we can work that, it's like if you ask Siri or Alexa, you know, a question, they already know that it could be seven or eight different words and give you the best answer, right? So that's where we're looking to go. I can see mm-hmm. us doing that and having these partnerships down the road because I think there's a lot of, op- a lot of other opportunities, especially using AI uh, for accessibility reasons. Right, those who uh, either hard of hearing, uh, eyesight, utilizing app control. Can we, you know, we, are we, oh, yeah, it's another thing we have. You can control the whole room with your app, with the QR code and all that stuff. So we do all that. So, you know, um, again, they're kind of bells and whistles that no one's going to use. But I think there's opportunity there. And that's where we will, um, because that was a warning. I, I've talked to the guys there, Jim and all, all, all already, and they said the same thing is, but we didn't want to kind of fall into coding hell. Right, because mm-hmm. you're always going to forget the one thing that, yeah. uh, and so yeah. we we think that by utilizing third parties that
1: are already doing it, mm-hmm.
2: um, that's going to be a great future there.
1: hundred gotcha. percent. Yeah, I love I love the uh, I, I love the reverse thinking that you've sort of applied to all that sort of user interface. Let's um, I just want to switch gears a little bit if if we can. Um, Joe, you've done a lot of work, and I, I was yeah you'll probably get a notification that i was trawling your linkedin profile you've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, you done a lot of work in churches uh, uh, saddleback um compass bible church uh no, number one are you still involved with it? and if, if you yeah, talk, talk us through what's happening in the world of churches in the u.s and what are they doing with sort of technology to ensure they can they continue to move forward uh and sort of spread their message through the pandemic? Uh, and will this change the way churches operate sort of forever?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I have w- worked with the churches in uh, in multiple capacities, first as a uh, um, as an, a volunteer and attendee starting uh, probably about 10 years ago. And then I did work full time uh, for a short while uh, at Compass Bible Church where I was the tech director, and which was great because that was our, our first opportunity. I was actually brought in there to upgrade that as well and move them from You know, the big old, you know, the wire this big around, pull the snake down and, you know, and instead be able to utilize, you know, Dante Networks and Networked AV. So, and that was, uh, you know, gosh, it might actually, that might almost be 10 years ago now. Um, But but that was a a good opportunity to kind of start moving that direction. Um, And then from there, I did go to Saddleback, which is one of the largest churches uh, here in the States and in the world. and uh, where i oversaw one of the uh, one of the 19 campuses helped with the launch and all that until it rolled uh it it rolled into another campus it grew too big so good problems to have in a church and uh and then from there with the usc i no longer work with a church the pandemic and then coming to usc i gave all my stuff there but i still attend and will help with events and stuff like that just not in a formal uh capacity that said now to finally answer your question uh (laughs) You know, um, so you thought you were going to have someone, you, I'd be too shy. You can't get yeah. an answer out of me. And now I'd I have just to
1: work hard. Of- I have to work hard to get an answer.
0: Uh, you, you need to have your own podcast. That's what you need. I know. I should <laughs> do that one day. One
2: day I'll have to figure <laughs> out how to kill dead air. Um, no, um and so uh, here, here's the thing. I think that churches are, uh, uniquely positioned to be great test beds, Right. Um, there was a lot of churches, obviously, pre uh, pre pandemic that really were and this is what I did my Ph.D. in in church production. So uh, I would hope I, I could consider myself sort of an expert in it um, is that there was a there's a big push toward, you know, whether the acceptability of technology in a church. Right. Um, and. You know, and maybe rightly so because you could easily take technology and make it a show which takes away from the message and it's a message that needs to stay important when you're looking at house of worship but yep. that said when you look at the pandemic a lot of churches were starting to live stream um, you know at Saddleback we were one of the very first you know really in existence to uh, you know they had website back in 1991 and started doing getting messages out and posted i mean that was almost unthinkable back then we were all still getting our first email address back then right and so um what what we saw at saddleback for example is we get 30,000 people weekly um show up right Mm -hmm. um now that was pre-pandemic in person but after the you know when we all had to go online yeah we were getting over a million downloads a week wow okay Now, what does that say about getting the message of the church out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That shows there's a huge possibility that we reached people who would never have gotten, had even thought to attend, right? Or look up the message. And as people are hurt and, and suffering at home to be able to turn on that or go online and see that. And I'm hoping that churches don't go back. I hope that even the very smallest church that may only have 30 or 40 members who already invested, even in some, miniature way a, a a smaller you know a black magic streamer or even use iPhone, you know doing something to stream they yeah. keep that going because there's huge opportunities and that's a way to lead the world i really think that the church yeah. could lead the world in this way because in a, like standard installations like me that's the biggest difference i mean I, i'm in i'm doing some cre- creative things that can bring more uh services in but it's still personal integration it's still you know a a, a, a box that's a classroom that's a talking head But there's a lot of opportunities, I think, to take our new world of UC and the traditional house of
1: worship and and move those forward for sure. And I think that's the direction it's going. But there's there's still a lot of risk to the church at that point, though, isn't there? I mean, the the church is, you know, and and I'm not getting too into theology or anything like that. But the the church is definitely about fellowship and getting people there. So. yeah isn't that a big risk that they just won't be there and they'll just oh you know what i don't feel like going to church on sunday morning at eight o'clock i'm just going to sit here in my pjs and um and i attended virtually so that's okay
2: yeah you know it's interesting and i'm sure the church world is having that argument right um because that's why probably a lot of them didn't want to stream for before the pandemic and it's like but then necessity created it right even the ones yep. that were fighting it before had no other choice was that or shut down right no. um so uh, i believe that we should utilize streaming and these technologies not as a way for but a way with right it's supplement to um you know being allowed that you know even if you're if you're traveling now you can still watch your service or you could watch it later or you could take Part in a small group that you know, um, but yes, fellowship and in person is a key part of the church coming together. Like it is the identity of the church, as yeah. you know, as we say, it's not a church isn't a building but a people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then that you know, therefore, I think it's a combination of where you can utilize that, and I hope that it is something that goes with because there's a lot of great great things that can come from it and you can can reach other people or use it for a message to get people in right it's a it's a big commercial
0: right well, it just right. just goes to prove that the technology is the enabler of all these things whether it's a house of worship whether it's uh, corporate whether it's le- teaching and learning you know the technology like you said it shouldn't be about the technology but the technology enables these things to happen and you know it brings more people together like you said I mean having a million people, Coming together, you, you know, up from thirty thousand a week is is amazing. Like you said, you're getting the word out there, so it, it, I think it's I think it's great. Um, before we let you go, Joe, I just want to ask you or, or talk about Hetma. You're the you're the chair of of Hetma, and for our Australian audience um, who probably doesn't know what Hetma does I, I, to me it seems a bit like uh and looks and feels like a lot like atm in australia um, and i'm sure you guys have probably had conversations Hetma and atm are, about, about and there's a lot of synergies there so can you tell us what your role is at Hetma uh, and what Hetma does um, in the u.s and how does it uh, help universities and and do the universities all come together and work as one and share their problems and experiences like What's that dynamic like here in the U.S.?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think that that is a, a similar parallel uh, to say it. And there are some great organizations, uh, LTSMG and SCOMS in the U.K., mm-hmm. and then you have ATEM, uh in uh, Australia. Then you have CCUMC and the Tech Managers Council here in the United States. Um and we kind of fit a different mold and this was one of the things that was important is it wasn't so much as what are these other organizations not doing right Mm -hmm. um but it was more of what do we need right they work great and and i'm really glad to partner with all of these like so for example rccumc here in the united states i sit on the professional development committee for it too um and but what we thought was those are ways to develop skills and a community within a specific vertical. Hema's role is to advocate for the vertical in a, as an official organization within the, without the greater AB industry. For example, some things that we want to do is be able to have a say in what manufacturers are putting out. Not mm-hmm. just be a, a group of people who are going to get sold to, but we want to actually tell them, This is what we need. This is how we need it. This is the price point we want. Um, These are other ways to advocate for, as as we had already talked earlier, about the large amount of global spend that the vertical utilizes. Mm. And what are those needs that we need? Can we build relationships among one another, more direct relationships with our manufacturers and our integrators, so that we all get that same uh, kind of privilege across the board. And, you know, this was founded by myself and BC, who's my counterpart at, uh, at Vanderbilt University. And, you know, we recognize that, you know, at USC, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm at a very wealthy school and I'm a well-known school. So it's very easy for me to get things, right? I can yeah. get a vendor to show up to me. I can get test gear. I get great pricing. Yeah. Um, but what about the small schools in the middle of yeah. nowhere, right? No, they're never going to get a vendor show up to them. Um, they, But they still have 200 rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Every community college still has a ton of classrooms. They still have to get that. Half the time we talk to our professionals, they don't even know there's educational pricing, which means that the integrator, local integrator, the one they might have is charging them full retail. And probably I am sh- guarantee you that integrator is buying at the educational price to that pocket is. that extra amount. I guarantee you they're not yeah. paying the retail, right? <laughs> and so that's where we want to be a resource you know and one of the things we do is support all other organizations we it's not just about like kind of taking that but but saying we want to be an advocate for a vertical within the entire global av industry
0: and are those manufacturers actually listening like you said you you wanted to have a voice and and by coming together as one i mean you 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 have a very very strong voice there uh, for a very particular vertical, uh, are you finding that some manufacturers are listening more than others?
2: Um, I will say that our email and phones are blowing off the hook. Um, okay. I will, I will say that we've had uh, many manufacturers come to us and say, this is fantastic. Because think of it this way, how much do you think they spend just to get user feedback and create focus groups? And we're over here going, use us partner yeah. with us come in here talk to us let us talk to you you know how valuable that is and we've mm-hmm. had these conversations with with manufacturers say which is which would you prefer come out with a device because how many years does it take to for research and development engineering put something out market it get it out to the right and you do that and then it's a flop and no one wants it mm-hmm. or come to us we will tell you what we want you manufacture it we will even put our stamp of approval on it and now you're selling hundreds of it because you designed something that the vertical wants and needs you know and yeah. and a good example of that is we actually me personally was with a projector manufacturer who came in and said to me you know look at all these things it does you can use your app and you can do this and they can change this and, blah, 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 and this and i said that's kind of cool but all i'm going to do is turn it on and turn it off and yeah. you take all the other bells and whistles off. I don't even need a fancy lens. Guess what? Just tell me how far away from the screen to put it. Yeah. Okay, I can run the power wherever I want on this ceiling, um, and that's literally that's all I need it to do. And the funny thing is, is manufacturer came out and they created an entire line, basically ripping all the bells and whistles out, leaving some wow. that have to be there, and which saved on the price point because now we didn't need all that. And they're it's one of their largest miles that's going off the shelf now because as a focus group we were able to give this input and i think that's really the key and where there's huge opportunities and then integrators win because now there's already a brand they don't even have to try to sell there's a group of vertical going this is what we want and you've got your pricing already built into that um it becomes a win-win all the way through
0: yeah no that's excellent I, i look i recently signed up as a member um, so I'm looking forward to hope, uh, you know, sort of having more dialogue and to see where it all goes, because, you know, we, we would be very keen to start working with people like yourself and, and Frank and other universities around the country, because uh, by what we saw in Australia, you would have one university raise the bar and then everyone looks at them and then they raise the bar and they raise the bar and it becomes very competitive, which is great, which is because when i say great it's great for the for the students because they're getting a, like you said before they're getting a better experience out of it by re- continually raising that bar um yep. so just one more thing i know we, we've covered a lot of ground uh today one more thing before we go <laughs> and, and mark did warn you i'd ask a lot of questions yeah, but, um, yeah. you, you do have your we joked before about having your own podcast but you do have your own mm. podcast that. Uh, um, education AV podcast, I believe, is that, yep. uh, sorry, the
2: higher ed Hi- AV Hired, podcast. Higher ed AV, yeah, so, yep. uh, it is a podcast and a web portal, so at higheredav.com, you go, and we, I, we have great content creators, all from within the higher ed vertical, who do different monthly columns, one from, like, so, for example, IT side and yeah. integrator side, accessibility, I, I write a business of AV column that comes out the first of every month, and then I also have the, uh, the podcast that goes along with it. And there's also other podcasts on the platform as well, like the mm-hmm. AV life and AV super friends. But I have the hired AV podcast where I interview um, uh, very tech managers from uh, around the, around the country, around the globe. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've covered Australia and UK. So we're, we're global. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, interview. And really we just, uh, it's a very organic show, just like yours here where it's, it's us just sitting, talking, talk and shop and, uh, you know, trying not to kill kill too much air in a year
1: in, 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 uh, in an hour yeah. 135 episodes it must be going all right joe it,
2: it's going i can't believe that anyone would ever listen well I actually don't know people listen i just record no i'm just so not how you feel <laughs> completely blessed with uh with the uh with the show and just the way it's been able to connect a vertical um has been fantastic and just be able to be a resource for people who need it and and that's and and people that are kind of dear to my heart So.
0: you you were quoted joe as saying the answer is always yes is that the only reason why you said yes to join our our, uh our (laughs) show today
2: uh yeah the answer is always yes that is is, is, you know that gets me in a lot of trouble though just don't don't play drinking games with me because i have to answer yes um (laughs) but uh but yeah um I definitely believe that, uh, you know, there, there's opportunities. And when you, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be given a platform to be able to speak for a vertical and the AV industry as a whole. And uh, I think that this is always, um, you know, as we get to that point in our careers where we're starting to look more toward the end of it than we see the beginning of it, um, this is where I hope to use all my available platforms and ability to just open these doors for others. So
1: I always say yes. Nice. Awesome. So speaking of platforms, Joe, if people want to know a little more about you, where can they find you and all your st- stuff? Yeah.
2: <laughs> all right. Um, I, I mean, obviously I have a website, JosiahWay.com. But anyway, find me on all the socials. At JosiahWay uh, is my handle. And you can connect to Hire at AV, which is uh, Hire at AV and, and underscore org, um, and everything else there. But if you just find me at JosiahWay and you can find everything else through that.
1: Yeah, nice one. Joe Way. thank you so much for coming on the show. Continue to watch and uh, keep connected. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Awesome, thank you very much for having me.